The first is serendipity. The second is humility. The third, I think, is a bit of willingness to take risk. And we talk about this all the time, and it's way harder to do uh, than it is than it should be, because you have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. Uh, you have to be willing to decide that you're going to run that road race, and maybe you're not going to achieve the time that you want to achieve, or you're going to begin this new pursuit, and it's going to turn out that you're not very good at it. It's okay. That's okay. In all likelihood, the sun's going to rise the next morning. Uh, you will have learned something from it as well. Welcome to the Live by Design podcast. I'm your host, Kate House. Join me each week as we come together as a community, sharing how we strive to live each day with intention, with a special focus on cultivating joy and practicing gratitude. Together, let's live by design, not default. Hi, friends, and welcome to this week's episode. I am thrilled to bring you an episode this week focused on education, and it was such a treat for me to sit down with Gettysburg College President Bob Giuliano. Many of you know that I have a very deep love and fondness and passion for my adopted hometown of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and that is for so many reasons, the biggest of which is that I went to Gettysburg College for my undergraduate degree. And that's where I met my husband. He was actually my upstairs neighbor (laughs) in our freshman dorm. And we also played on the ultimate Frisbee team together. And while I wasn't looking to date a ton in college, I met Dennis and it just clicked. And we've been together ever since we were little babies at 18. And now we are 32 and we've got a dog and our two baby boys. And we recently, just within the last year, moved back to Gettysburg because it is a place that we both love. We both have our own family ties to Pennsylvania in general, and we just wanted to come back to the place that we cherish most to raise the little humans we cherish the most. And for that reason, I'm clearly very fond of my alma mater. And when I was working on this Institute for Integrative Nutrition Circle of Life exercise as part of season two of our podcast and going through all the 12 sections of the circle of life, one of which is education. And when I started to think about who I wanted to talk to, there were a lot of people in my life I thought about reaching out to. I used to work in international education. So higher ed has been a really big part of both my personal and my professional life. But I thought, what the heck, let's just shoot my shot and reach out to President Giuliano and see if he would want to come onto the podcast, which side note, he has his own podcast, guys. So it was kind of perfect. It's called Conversations Underneath the Cupola. And I got super lucky because I sent him a very long-winded email about all the reasons I would love to host him on the podcast, and I got a note back from his team that said he would love to join me. And guys, ooh, that just felt so good. I am really trying to grow our podcast and to grow our community and our listenership base and create a business that can truly make an impact in the world. Big part of our mission is giving back to our community and connecting and donating and supporting causes that are just near and dear to my heart. I have a whole future episode coming out for you about a diaper network that I've partnered with that I just really want to share with you. But that's an aside. A big part for me too is just encouraging all of us to live the biggest most exciting, most audacious lives that we can. And for me, a big part of that is is growth, is personal development, is pushing myself purposefully outside of my comfort zone in the effort to grow. 
And a big part of that with the podcast has been asking folks to come on to the show and have conversations with me and not just my friends and people that I already know who are all incredible. And I'm so grateful to them for coming on the podcast, but also people I don't know, uh, people and accounts that I follow on Instagram and authors and anyone out in the world that I look up to. And everyone who's been on the podcast are people that I admire in one way, shape, or form, whether it be a friend or somebody I met on the internet or the president of my alma mater. And I hope, friend, that this is an opportunity for you to see me trying something new, reaching out to somebody who maybe I felt like was, quote, out of my reach. And it worked out. And he came onto the podcast and we had such a fun conversation about education and how we can use that to serve our world and to make it a better place. So this is your reminder, lovingly from me to you, that if there is something on your heart that you know you want to do and you just feel a little trepidatious or you feel a little scared and you don't know where to start, I'm here to remind you to start before you're ready to do it scared and to learn through experience. But before we jump to the conversation with Bob, I would love to read you this week's Apple podcast review of the week. It's a five-star review and it was left by Rach Rose 51 and it reads... I stumbled upon Kate's Live by Design Instagram account via Start Today's Instagram handle, parentheses, lots of scrolling involved. Shortly after I followed her, she messaged me to share more information on her vision boards, knowing that was the topic I found her by. This season of life I'm currently in has been really hard for me, and just with a few exchanges, I was compelled to be open and honest with her because of her pure kindness. Not only did she go above and beyond and send me the vision board information, she has continued to check in with me here and there since that conversation and even surprises me with comments on my photos. I'm a complete stranger to her, but she still makes time for those exchanges in the most thoughtful ways. Outside of her shining personality, I love her content. I've taken the time to start from her very first episode to her present. Everything she shares is helpful in some way to my well-being, big or small, and she practices what she preaches. Thank you, Kate, for being such an inspiring person through all aspects of your life that I've been able to experience from afar. And then there's a little heart emoji. Well, Rach Rose 51, I know I've read this review on the podcast before, but it is truly one of my favorites. I appreciate and cherish every review that is left, but this one really speaks to my heart because at the heart of my mission is wanting to support others, is wanting you to feel supported and like I'm your number one cheerleader. (laughs) And so I'm so glad we've been able to connect online and start a friendship, a true friendship. I always say that I believe you can create true friendships online and a number of our guests on the show are friends that I've made through Instagram. So Retros51, I am so glad that you are one of those. I know that you and I have already connected, but friends, if you leave a review for the podcast and it is featured on a future episode, then I love to treat you to a cup of coffee. So anytime that you hear your, your review read online, I want you to send me an email over at kate at misskatehouse.com. That's kate at M-S-K-A-T-E-H-O-U-S-E.com. So that way I can send a little thank you card your way, complete with a small gift card so your next cup of coffee can be on me. Okay, friends, let's hop into our conversation today all about education. When I think back to my education at Gettysburg College, one of the things that really stands out to me is this desire of the college and the community at large to support one another to serve. There is a thing called Give Day on the Gettysburg campus, which is where it's an opportunity for students to give back to the community, to lend time and effort to further causes that are near and dear to this community's heart. I am so thrilled 
to have Bob Giuliano on the podcast today. He is the 15th president of Gettysburg College. He's an American attorney and an academic administrator. And before coming to Gettysburg, he served as a senior vice president, general counsel, and deputy to the president at Harvard University. So when we talk about education, I'm not sure there's a much better person to speak to than President Giuliano. So without further ado, here we go. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am so thrilled to have you here as a Gettysburg College alum. This is a very special day for me. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Wonderful. And so for anybody who's tuning in who isn't a Gettysburg College student or graduate and already familiar with you, would you share with us who you are and what you're all about? Uh, boy, that's a big question, right? But I'll, <laughs> I'll try to do justice. And again, thank you for having me. And congratulations on the way that you have used your education, which is something that matters to me as the president of your alma mater, Gettysburg College. So I am in uh, uh, the beginnings of my third year as president of the college, having spent 25 years before that at another institution of higher education, but really devoted most of my career to higher education. And I'm going to get to the part of your question of what I'm about, because I think it sort of speaks to your podcast. And for me, and again, all of this is deeply individualized. It's about finding meaning in what we do. And so if you charted my career, each of the steps just about has always been someplace where I found a degree of personal fulfillment, that I was doing something that mattered and that also spoke to values that mattered to me. And so the opportunity to come to this campus, you know its special nature, uh, but you also know about its fundamental mission, which is we're trying to help shape the futures of uh, really smart and engaged students and introducing them to the possibilities before them, to helping them understand who they are and what role they want to have in their lives. Boy, that's a pretty special way to wake up every morning and be able to claim that as your work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are lucky to have you at the helm and leading our community. I know as an alum and as somebody who lives in Gettysburg itself, I feel very connected still even to the campus and and the mission. And clearly it, it spoke to me as a person because a big part of what I do is about impact and serving others and helping others. And I come from a family where my grandma was a school teacher. And so it was always drilled into me the importance of education. And I had the most impeccable grammar as a small child (laughs) because of it. I know your parents are teachers as well, so I'm sure you've had a similar experience. And so coming from families that really value education, I'm curious to know in your younger years, when you first started school, what, what was that experience like for you? And then what ultimately led you into a career of higher ed? Um, well, first of all, I hope that your texts are also still grammatically pure, Kate. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they are, but we'll, we'll we'll have to test that at some point. <laughs> you mentioned that I came from a family of uh, educators, and that's true. But stepping back a little bit, three of the four of my four grandparents came to the United States, uh, and none of none of them, none of the four, uh, were educated. And so, education, particularly in that generation, but obviously it remains true today, uh, was the path to a life of meaning in the United States. And I think not just monetarily, uh, though that obviously mattered a lot to the immigrant class that was trying to get away from um, deep poverty. But obviously mm-hmm. in, in our lives, it's it's that and more, right? It's uh, unlocking to a sense of meaning. 
So I grew up in a family where my parents were each the uh, first in their families to go on to uh, college and both got advanced degrees. And I grew up as the youngest of four around a dinner table in which at the end of every school day, uh, my dad would require us to go around and explain what happened. And so uh, I began the youngest of four. And so at every dinner conversation, I was hearing what was I was going to be exposed to five years later when my older brother was describing what he was doing. And it was just a sense of um, it matters. It was interesting. And it was sort of instilled as a fundamental responsibility. And like so many people who were privileged, like we were, it was never a question of whether we were going to continue our education. It was a question of how, because my parents just thought it was of such profound importance. And so as I look at it from um, many years later, I realized that it did all of what my parents could have hoped it was going to do, right? It helped me see the complexity of the world in ways that just wasn't going to be possible. It influenced the way I raised my kids, and not just in the value of education, but in the values that I, I, I hope they took in the way they watched my wife and me lead our lives and the work that they're doing now. So I ended up doing what I'm doing, not by accident, right? Because it goes mm-hmm. back to your first question, finding something that has meaning. Mm-hmm hard to imagine another career that offers as much impact as being in higher education, whether it is in my old life, which also was a big research university. Mm -hmm. So we were advancing knowledge in a very concrete way, or here where it's a much more intensive focus on the individual student experience and the path that they're going to enjoy. So again, I don't think it's accidental having been raised in a family where education was so important that I have spent the last now 27 years in the field of higher education and continue to believe it's a privilege to do what I do. Absolutely. And for me, my experience with education is that it it constantly makes me question what I think I know and constantly makes me the more I learn, the more I want to learn. <laughs> I've always said if I could be a lifelong student, that would be like my ideal career path. So hosting the podcast is kind of perfect because it forces me to continue reading and continue learning and and in a way to educate as well. And so I'm curious to know from, from your standpoint now as a college president and especially being in Gettysburg specifically, I mean, you and I know the importance of this space. Oftentimes, I know you're a runner as well. And I love to run on the battlefields and there's literally signs that talk about how it's hallowed ground. It's a, it's a very special place. And I'm curious if you would be willing to speak to the mission of Gettysburg college specifically. I know it's aligned with you as an individual as well, but just that spirit of, of giving and being part of a community. You know, this Kate, from your experience, um, and I've come to learn it so much more vividly over the last two years, I had a little bit of a sense of it through the interviewing process, but really being here, even during COVID-19, has demonstrated that one of the palpable aspects of this place is community. It is the bonds that people form, the desire to be supportive to one another, uh, to connect to one another, to work together. And I think that is distinctively a strength here. And it builds into what you were talking about, which is Like many places, we are of the land that we occupy. And it is not only in the things that some people were really fascinated by, the mechanics of the battle and the like, I think it's actually much more, it's much broader than that. I think that we are of a place that speaks to a certain set of values. 
and Lincoln talked a little bit about it at the address that he gave not far from where you and I are sitting, but it's about the sense that uh, there is the unfinished work of the American democracy and the American experiment, and that each of us has a responsibility to advance that un unfinished work. And I don't think he thought, I certainly don't think there is a destination. That work will never be finished. It is something that we have an ongoing commitment to improve, to improve the way in which we organize our society, the notion of justice that cuts across um, uh, race, class, and the like, the work that we clearly have to do on those dimensions. And so I view this place as a place that takes this history as a call to a very certain type of action, uh, a call to be engaged, to see something that is bigger than just about you. And again, it's not a call in a particular academic discipline. It's rather a more transcendent set of, uh, of inspiration and aspiration that I think influences the college. And part of what I'm trying to do, particularly through some strategic planning work that we're doing, is to create even a yet more fertile environment where that takes place and takes place in a more intentional way so that it's amplifying in the student's experience. And that's the work that we're halfway through, maybe a little longer than that through. And I'm really excited to see it um, complete this year and then really begin to get instantiated in what the college is seeking to do. That's so beautiful. I'm very excited to see all of that come to fruition. And I'm lucky enough to have a front row seat right here in Gettysburg. As we speak, I'm also in Gettysburg. I live a little south of town. And so we're right here, um, basically in what was Battlefield and very grateful to live in this in this space. And so I'm curious, Bob, for anybody who's listening to this, whether they come from an academic background similar to our own of, of higher education or they're, they're still on their journey and they want to live more intentionally, they want to live by design, right? That's the whole reason that I have this podcast is encouraging us to live lives of purpose so that we're not just drifting through our lives, but we're creating that meaning like you were talking about before. And so for anyone who's listening and they, they identify with wanting to have that connection to a deeper meaning, where are some places you think people could start with that, whether that's you know seeking out education or getting in community with certain people? Do you have any suggestions for somebody who wants to kind of start down that path? A couple, but I'm going to start first with just a, an orientation, I think. And it's not the fundamental orientation you're talking about, Kate, but it's rather an orientation of openness and almost a, an acceptance of serendipity that, that life is going to offer um, opportunities in unpredicted and unpredictable ways. And being a little bit willing to see those and to explore them, I think begins to unfold for yourself a sense of things that you find passion in. Because, Kate, what excites you may not be exactly the same as what excites me. And I think your notion of living by design isn't a suggestion. I'm sure it is. Isn't a suggestion that everyone should live the same lives. It should be living the lives that are authentic to them in which they find joy and purpose. And you won't necessarily know that just by the experience, let's pretend you're an 18 year old, by the experience that you had in the first 18 years of your life. And so part of what you do is by being open to the serendipity, you get exposed to um, other things, other ways of being, other ways of thinking, other possibilities that begin to 
tell you something about yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's one part of the orientation. I think it's a, a notion of serendipity. Um, I think there are two other aspects to it. One is a degree of humility as well, a recognition that none of us, I'm a lot older than our students who will be joining us in two weeks. But one of the things I'll say to them is, again, recognize that sense of humility, the sense of last year, my first year convocation address was about three words. I don't know. Acknowledging that you don't know. That's as important for me as it is for the 18-year-olds. Because again, when you acknowledge that maybe your worldview isn't necessarily 100% right or 100% formed, you open yourself to up to other possibilities. So the first is serendipity. The second is humility. The third, I think, is a bit of willingness to take risk. And we talk about this all the time, and it's way harder to do uh, than it is than it should be, because you have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. Uh, you have to be willing to decide that you're going to run that road race and maybe you're not going to achieve the time that you want to achieve. Or you're going to begin this new pursuit and it's going to turn out that you're not very good at it. That's okay. That's mm -hmm. okay. In all likelihood, the sun's going to rise the next morning. Uh, you will have learned something from it as well. So that's not a specific response to your question, Kate, because it's more an orientation towards how you find the possibilities that you're talking about. And then I think it is. I mean, what a surprise. I think education is an important part. And you said you could wish you could be a full-time student. I think you live, Kate, in a moment in time, at least in which you can be a lifelong student, that the opportunities that exist today to continue to pursue, pursue one's education in informal and formal ways are greater than they probably have ever been. Last thing I'll say, because I wanna make sure we're touching on a broad range of um, subjects as well, but the, you know, we go back 200 years, the number of autodidacts, people who taught themselves was also there. And so don't be afraid to just explore on your own a little bit about whether this is something that might speak to you because ultimately, Going back to your point of what excites me, it is finding something that speaks to you. I say this to the students here all the time. You're going to work hard in life. Find something that gives you meaning. And again, what gives you meaning and what gives me meaning doesn't need to be one and the same thing. It's a highly individualized judgment, but you're not going to know that unless you're being a little bit experimental in your pursuits. I love that. Thank you. I, I appreciate the the broad look at it. And as somebody who's very interested in goal setting and having things that I'm working towards achieving, um, and, and I do that success in air quotes on my own terms, right? So I've defined what does it mean to me to be successful at what I'm doing, right? And that will absolutely be individual and be unique for every person. And sometimes I think when, when people think about goal setting, they think that it's this kind of rigid structure. And so you have to achieve this one specific goal that you set for yourself. And in reality, you might set a goal and then life might take you a different direction and you might end up somewhere different, but just as wonderful or even more incredible than you could have imagined. And when you talk about serendipity, that's what it makes me think of is that you have to be open to these moments when, you know, life starts to change or pivot or an opportunity presents itself. And right, sometimes it's an opportunity to fail forward. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't go the way you planned, but ultimately you stand back up, you learn something and you go again. And so when you speak about serendipity, I'm curious if there's an example you could share from your own life where you've been open to that you know, nature of serendipity, that nature of just things happen, maybe that you didn't plan for. Is there a time in your life that you can think of where that happened? 
I would say this, Kate, in a sense, it was the inflection point in my life. And I won't go through the long version of it. I'll give you the abridged version of it. But I was ultimately uh, given the chance with some financial aid to attend a New England prep school. And I'd come from, uh, I grew up in a very working class town. And at least from my perspective, notwithstanding the conversation we had earlier about the importance of education, yes, it was important, but what was important to the seventh grade me was playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, and the eighth grade me, I wanted to play football. That was more important than anything else. And that undoubtedly, I think, would have persisted had I stayed in the environment that I was in. But through pure serendipity, uh, my father was uh, was in a prior life, the, a teacher at the junior high school I went to. He was attending a football game in which I was playing. Uh, he was talking with a former school buddy of his who was now at a prep school. That resulted in a decision that I was going to go to that school. I had very little voice in that decision, by the way, uh, <laughs> but it resulted in a decision that I was going to go to that school. And those three years were fundamentally transformative. Um, they permitted me the space to want to be more intellectually inquisitive. They broadened my sense of social horizons and possibilities. I ended up going to Harvard. I have no doubt that path would have been much more difficult, but for those three years in that prep school and everything it made possible intellectually, socially, culturally. And again, I didn't want to do it, but it was an opportunity that was presented to me I think I've said this in other settings, Kate. Uh, My dad gave me one of the lines of his life, which is, I'm going to let you make this decision. But if you make the wrong decision, I'm going to make it for you. I don't (laughs) quite know what to make of that. But uh, off I went to Middlesex School in Concord, Massachusetts, and it was very much the right decision. So that's an example. And I wish I could claim more agency as Mm -hmm. the person who was open to the serendipity um, because I wasn't, but I was also an eighth grader. Uh, it was more of my parents helping me see those possibilities. But in retrospect, it's an illustration. But even, Kate, the way I got into higher education, I wouldn't have said that when I graduated from law school, that was a clear path. Mm-hmm. But the opportunity presented itself to me. And it caused me to have to stop and reflect on what did I want to do? Where was I going to find and a whole bunch of opportunities? Uh, I could have done any number of things in my profession. But I had to start begin making choices. This came to me unexpectedly. I thought about it for a fair amount of time. And candidly, when I began this job at my at my old institution many years ago, I thought it was going to be three years. Mm-hmm. 25 years later, I left to come here. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Isn't it funny? And sometimes the way when you, it's interesting. I, I heard it said once that you can look at a cluster of stars, but it's only in hindsight that you can create the constellation. And it's so interesting to me how sometimes as we move down our path, we don't necessarily see how all the stars connect until we reach that point where you're like, oh, okay, this is what we are building to. This is this is where I'm finding meaning and purpose right now. I think that's right. I would add to it that a firm belief that for most people, I'm not going to say this is a universal, but for most people, there's also not one right path. There mm-hmm. are multiple right paths. Um, uh, and it goes back to the conversation we had earlier. Um, I think you run the risk sometimes of paralysis. If your view is there is only one path to happiness, and if it's not meeting every, checking every one of my boxes, 
therefore it must not be the right path. Not generally my view in life. I think mm -hmm. there are multiple paths to happiness and joy. None of them are likely to be a consistent form of euphoria because life is comp more complicated than that, right? Yeah. Um, and so again, it's being open. And um, also, I guess I get, I'd add one other characteristic to what I said earlier when I was talking about risk-taking, humility, and the like, um, and it's appreciation. Mm -hmm. It's a recognition that um, for many of us, not all of us, um, there's a lot to be appreciative of. of. Mm -hmm. um, and don't lose sight of that. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I don't know if our podcast listeners will know this, but Bob actually hosts his own podcast conversations beneath the cupola. And I was listening to some older episodes and there was an episode from the fall of last year where you spoke on gratitude and a big part of my mission is to encourage people to practice gratitude and to cultivate joy. And I think that those two things are just so linked. Uh, I have, I personally have a gratitude practice that I do every single day. So every night at bedtime, my husband and I tell each other one thing that we're specifically grateful to that person for from the last day, which we started thankfully before COVID. <laughs> and so during a season that was really difficult, especially during lockdown with two very small children, you know, it can be really easy to take somebody else for granted or to just think about how you're uncomfortable. But and having to vocalize every night, something that you're grateful for, each partner feels very seen and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And then we also have to say something that we're grateful for. We call it in general, <laughs> just yeah. something from something from the day. And so I love that you brought up, you know, gratitude and happiness. And I'm curious if there's anything that you did, you do in your day or in your week that, you know, lends you some happiness or lends you some joy. A couple of things. You've sounds like you've studied this more than I have. Uh, but I believe the science of this is that the person who extends gratitude uh, receives more of a emotional boost from it than even the person who is receiving it. Mm -hmm. And so not only are expressions of gratitude uh, great social lubricants, uh, they are also good for the people who are bestowing that expression of appreciation. And so that's, so I guess there's a degree of, degree of self-interest that I'm not suggesting is part of the gratitude because that wouldn't then be gratitude, but, it's, <laughs> but, 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 it, but it's worth recognizing, Absolutely. you know, um, there are personal and there are professional ways in which I find gratitude. I was incredibly grateful for what a challenging year it's been for everybody. I think there are particular challenges or challenges particular to a residential, an intimate residential college like we are. But the response of the community has been one of coming together. The selflessness shown by the faculty is they've had to change teaching methods and they had to navigate their own challenges of raising families with kids not necessarily in school while trying to teach um, it, it was difficult for students. You and I talked a little bit about this, but for students who have eight semesters in college and finding in some cases, three of those eight semesters uh, disrupted, but nonetheless, uh, how so many of them did what you described a moment ago, Kate, they tried to find the, find the good of this and mm -hmm. recognizing its imperfection. But I was grateful for that, the response of the staff here, who often were on the front lines, right? They were mm -hmm. feeding the students. They were doing the work that keeps this place going uh, in the middle of a pandemic. Boy, it's really hard 
not to feel a sense of gratitude for the way in which people came together to something uh, to rally around an unprecedented and in many respects, scary situation, but in service to something that mattered to them. So one of the things I try to do is to express my appreciation for that in as many big and small ways as I can, whether it's in thanking the community as a whole or in sending individual notes that acknowledge the contributions, the special, maybe sometimes quiet contributions someone has made. I don't think there's enough of that that we can do. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Bob, so much for your time today. And as we wrap up our interview, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience just in terms of encouragement uh, as they go about finding meaning and purpose in their own lives? I guess I'm going to turn that back to you, Kate, and say that one lives intentionally, at least ideally you live intentionally. And it sounds, Kate, like you have taken both your own personal motivations, but the education you got here, I believe your husband is also a graduate of our fine college, uh, and that the two of you have used this education in a way that is important not only to you, but as this podcast reflects, uh, not so much by my conversation, but your creation of it, a desire to offer resources for others who might want to take those resources. So I think earlier I said that what you are doing here is a reflection of what I want our students to do, which is to find their purpose and then to go out and make a difference in pursuing that. So um, I guess I'll end Kate by saying to the listeners here, follow Kate's example because Kate is finding the path that matters to her and that seems important. Oh, thank you, Bob. That means the world to me. Excellent. Well, thank you for having me here today, Kate. Absolutely. Hey friend, if you're listening to this episode, then I have a feeling that you are somebody who wants to live by design, somebody who wants to live purposefully and not default through their days. Because if there's anything we know, it's that your life is lived in the day to day. It's in the moment right now. It's in the decisions you make. It's in the habits you instill. And if you want to live purposefully, it's so important to set yourself up for success in your day to day life. And that's actually one of the areas that I focused on with a recent health coaching client of mine. We just had our final session not that long ago, and it's always so bittersweet to say bye to my coaching clients because over the course of our six months together in a one-on-one health coaching relationship, I become very attached to my clients. I am so committed to you feeling successful and to you making true and lasting change in your life because... My goal is to work with you for these six months to radically change the way you approach your day and to have you flourish after we stop working together because you now have the tools and the skill sets to shift your mindset, to create habits and routines that support the life you currently live and also that sets your future self up for success. And that was an area that we focused on. A client and I were working on being proactive versus reactive in the day. And by that, I mean, what are ways that you right now, your current self, can set your future self up for a win? And in this client's life, and in my life too, because I am also a mom of small children, we talked a lot about how your nighttime routine can set your next day up for a win. In that, you can lay out your clothes ahead of time, especially if you plan on getting a sweat session in in the morning. Maybe you lay out your running clothes, you you lay out your yoga clothes or your Peloton outfit or whatever the case might be. 
And if you have work in the morning or a commitment that you have to get to, and maybe you have small children that need to go to school or get dropped off for care, how can you get them prepared ahead of time? Can you get their backpack packed up the night before? Can you put their shoes with their clothes by the door so you're ready to go when you're getting ready in the morning? Can you think through what you're going to make for breakfast? Can you get the ingredients for your super smoothie out and put in your kitchen or in your fridge all in the same spot so that way when you wake up in the morning, it is so easy to choose the healthiest option because how many times do you get busy or rushed and you're like, okay, I guess I'll just grab a chocolate croissant on the way into the office (laughs) when you know the best version of yourself really wants you to eat something healthy to start your day off on the right foot so that you make this first great healthy decision and then that transcends into the rest of your day. So how can you set yourself up for success? How can you be proactive versus reactive? And that is something that this client and I focused on and she just knocked out of the park, (laughs) honestly, so well that I am learning things from her. And that is the beauty of a coaching relationship is that I just hope that my clients get half as much from me as I get from them. I love to approach life as a student, as an opportunity to learn, and I am always learning from my clients as I guide them and support them and be their cheerleader and their accountability buddy. I am learning and growing right alongside them. So friend, if you listen to this and you're like shaking your head, like, yes, yes, I need support. I need guidance. I want to learn more. What are the hacks that I can use to instill good habits and routines in my own life? Well then friend, let's get a discovery call on the books. Let's just spend 50 minutes together, five, zero, 50 minutes just chatting on zoom or if you're tired of zoom we can just talk on the phone and maybe even go for a walk while we're talking on the phone together and it's a great opportunity for me to get to know you and your health history and usually by the time we're done that call i have a very clear sense of the two or three things that we would probably focus on during our coaching relationship together and it's a chance for you to get to know me if you listen to the podcast you know me you know my heart you know my mission you probably know what i'm all about you know that i love coffee and running and my dog and my kids and my husband and Gettysburg (laughs) and all the things, but it's a nice chance for you to ask me one-on-one questions and just make sure that we both feel like it's a good fit. And then if so, we can start a six month coaching relationship together. So you can learn more over on my website at misskatehouse.com slash coaching. That's M S K A T E H O U S E dot com slash coaching to learn more, or just scroll down in your listening app right now, select coaching, and that'll take you right to my website and where you can book your discovery call today. I can't wait to support you friend. Welcome to joyful corner. My opportunity each week to share with you something that's brought me joy or an experience that I'm grateful to have had. Well, this being our episode on education, I saved this joyful corner just for this episode because you know I love a good theme. (laughs) So I have been following Andy and Candace Meredith on Instagram at Andy and Candace for the longest time. I've actually been following them since their account was called Old Home Love and they are a couple. They have seven children between the two of them and they are currently renovating a 1907 schoolhouse. There's your school connection and turning it into their dream home. And I have followed them online for the longest time, and they just seem to be some of the kindest, most vibrant and joyful and interesting people. They have this really cool design aesthetic. They love the Victorian era. So a lot of the designs that they do might feel like a little over the top for some of us, but I just find them to be really inspiring. There's nothing I love more than seeing somebody just embrace what they love totally unapologetically and just 
doing the dang thing because they love it. And what's been really cool is watching their show. So it's called Homework and it's on the Magnolia Network and it drops, I think it's like every Friday night, there's a new episode and they've been tackling it room by room on the show. And it's just, it's just a show that you watch and you feel good watching it. You're like, these are nice people doing cool things. And this is just a nice way to end my week. And then the really funny thing that's been happening is I've been watching this show at night and my three-year-old likes to sneak downstairs and tell me that he's hungry is his new thing. Um, it probably is. He's so, so tall for his age. He never stops eating because he is just growing nonstop. And he's so cute. So I'll sit down and watch the show after he's in bed and he'll sneak back downstairs and I'll give him a snack and I'll let him lay on the couch next to me as like a special mommy son treat, which I know isn't great for his bedtime routine, but it's really special. And he loves watching design shows with me and he is obsessed with homework. He loves telling me about all the different projects they're working on and the colors that they're choosing and he'll give me his feedback. I mean, it's adorable. This kid he is too cool. He's like way too cool for me. And I just love this time together. It's just really special. So not only do I enjoy the show by myself, um, but I really love that I get to share it with my three-year-old. What, what like a cool thing that we get to do together. So that's my little, my joyful corner this week is just, I'm really enjoying this show called Homework on Magnolia Network. This is not sponsored in any way. I'm just somebody who really loves design shows. I grew up watching them with my mom on HGTV and I don't know. The show just really speaks to me. So if you're looking for like a wholesome show that you could watch with your kids around that inspires you to really make your space your own, then totally tune in. I think as I'm recording this, there's already like 10 episodes that have dropped. So you could totally binge it. (laughs) It's totally binge worthy. And a big thank you this week to Bob for being our Joyful Corner listener voicemail. My younger son, um, after three tries, got married two weekends ago. Uh, COVID-19 had disrupted each of the prior efforts that he and his long-standing girlfriend, now wife, um, uh, had tried. And so having everyone together, uh, seeing the joy that they felt at this day arising, this couple has dated for seven, eight years, and the chance to again, connect with friends and families where it had been hard to do by virtue of COVID-19 just reminded me of just how much joy it comes from that. And I'll add one other little twist to it. I have one grandson who was the ring bearer, made it down the aisle, which I was really pleased to report because often that's not successful. He's only two years old, (laughs) Uh, but also watching the joy that he experienced from that community. He was out on the dance floor before anybody else was, Kate, uh, and was just thoroughly enjoying the day. And there is something special about seeing the world through the eyes of a two-year-old that tells us a lot about the structures that we have imposed on our lives that maybe don't really matter at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Bob. Well, thank you again, Bob, for joining me on the podcast today. It has been such a pleasure to have you here. Friends, I don't know if you could hear it in my voice, but I was like a little nervous when I started recording this episode with President Juliano. I I was like a little in my head, which is which is not my style. I always tell myself no matter who I'm talking to, they're just a person. And I don't mean that to diminish anybody. I just mean that we're all just people. And sometimes we can get it in our heads that 
celebrities or people of high esteem uh, are better than us or bigger than us or I don't know, whatever it is. And I just tell myself no matter who I'm talking to, we're all just people. And I felt a little nervous and a little bit excited and a lot of bit excited. Let's be real going into this conversation. And uh, I just hope that you leave this conversation knowing that I just believe in education. I believe in education, whether it's formal education, like at Gettysburg College, I believe in education, whether it's a group coaching program, I believe in it, whether it's an online course that you're taking or you're reading from books or you're learning on YouTube, I believe in just growth. And I believe that we can just be so inspired by other people through learning, through learning from their experiences, through learning about their area of expertise, and just being open to lots of different ways that we can go about this life. And as we head out this week, a reminder that if you haven't joined my newsletter yet, I would love to get you on the list. It's my chance each week just to send you a little love letter from my inbox straight to yours. And I always include a link to the latest podcast episodes, as well as any other little things that have inspired me during the week. So it's a chance just for us to connect. And I monitor the email account that this email comes from. So if you read an email and you're super excited about something, or you have a question for me, literally just hit reply. (laughs) It comes back to me over at my account, which is kate at misskatehouse.com is my email address. And so you can literally just respond. And I would love to have a conversation with you there. Or if you're active over on Instagram, give me a follow over at live by design podcast. And then when you follow, drop a DM and just say hi, because I'd love to connect with you and learn more about who you are and what you're all about and open up some two-way communication. All right, friends, I will be back in your earbud later this week with my bonus episode with Bob. But until then, spread some joy, make someone smile, 